Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. Once again, it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, this Bible study uh, right here on our website. Welcome today. Uh, I pray that you have gotten over all of the stress of Christmas, but that you still carry as a Christian the spirit of Christmas in your heart all year long. Hallelujah. Thank God this is an ongoing, in fact, this is an eternal, everlasting peace, everlasting joy. Uh, The Bible said the redeemed shall return and come to Zion with everlasting joy (laughs) upon their heads. Everlasting singing, the song says. Praise God. Well, I have joy today. Amen. Not because I got a Maserati for Christmas. Not even an Escalade. Amen. I have joy today because I have Jesus today. And I have that joy and peace of Christmas to enjoy and employ all year long. And I pray that you do too. We're going to be talking about God's faithfulness, the faithful one, the faithful God today. Amen. Out of First Peter, could could pick many areas to choose the scripture that is our foundational scripture or our jumping off point into this Bible study on God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. First Peter 4 and verse 19. Now, there are all kinds of references to this attribute of God's person and God's character. I want to make a statement as we get ready to move in to this particular Bible study. When I read about the shield of faith in Ephesians chapter 6, I have never and do never see that as a force that somehow some spiritual force within you. I don't really care for the term a force within you. It sounds more like Star Wars than good Bible doctrine. And we're not into Eastern religions or fantasy uh, features at the movies. We're into the truth about God. Because they that know their God, the Scripture declares, will be strong and do exploits. You see, faith in your faith, if it's nothing more or less than a force within you, an ability supernaturally to believe. Now, there's a gift of faith, but it's not a force within you in the sense of, of some kind of, of something that just magically occurs while you're reading the promises of God. This is something that occurs not just when you read the promise, reading the promises to release your faith. But faith initially, the essence of faith is that you know something about God that causes you to be able and enable to trust Him with all of your heart, to take Him at His word. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it begins with, with what the Scriptures declare about His person and the attributes of His very being and character rather than just His promises. Promises are a stimulant to release faith. They stimulate faith that is born within us through the knowledge of our God and His faithfulness. I always put it this way. 
Faith in your faith, your personal ability to believe. If your faith wavers, your shield of faith comes down and the fiery darts come through. You become discouraged and when you become discouraged, you are open for for the destructive work of the enemy if you stay discouraged in your life. Faith in your faith, if your faith falters, will leave you vulnerable to your enemy. That's why the shield of faith has to be way more than mine or your personal ability because we never lose the 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 clay vessel part of us we ha- we are subject to certain circumstances causing us uh, to waver in our faith but faith in his faithfulness will not fail you because God never changes. And when you learn this truth about God, your shield of faith is your faith in His faithfulness, not your faith in your faith. Now, I know that sounds like a lot to digest right up front, but I believe it will be developed as we go forward in this study. We're talking about God's faithfulness, the true shield of faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's distinguish that today. First Peter 4.19, just as a, 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 a takeoff point into this, into this Bible study. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Now, I want to back up and say this. Let them that suffer according to the will of God. Now, there is a suffering that the enemy wants to impose upon you that has absolutely nothing to do with God's will for your life. Let's distinguish the difference. When we suffer according to the will of God, the only thing that is going to be truly hurt or harmed is our confidence in our flesh (laughs) so that we can have more or exclusive confidence in God Himself. And the Bible said after that you have suffered for a while, and that's coming to an end of yourself, going through some circumstances, not having hyper faith that's going to deliver you from every every pang and uh, of 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 a death when the loved one is lost, every pain when there is some kind of physical problem, every heartache, every heartbreak. God does not deliver us from all of these things. But He does, through His faithfulness, deliver us and take us through all these things. That what was meant for evil by our enemy, God uses good. And the good that comes is this, after you have suffered and for a while. Amen. God is faithful. <laughs> Hallelujah. After you've suffered for a while, He will establish, strengthen, and settle you. Amen. It's like a a seasoning of our faith to where we come into the place that when we pray and nothing immediately happens, that doesn't bother us at all. We have patience. And in your patience, the Scripture declares, you possess your soul. 
in your patience you possess your soul. What allows us to rest in Him when there's not an immediate deliverance from a situation? It is because we have faith in His faithfulness. We become established. We become uh, literally, uh, uh, absolutely established in our faith in His faithfulness to the degree that we can wait upon the Lord with the full assurance that God is working everything to our good. And I'm going to jump the gun here and go a little bit further than my personal outline has, has dictated. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man, the Scriptures declare. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able. This is not just temptation to sin, but the temptation that through trials and testings to doubt, to fear, to absolutely give up on God and question God. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to bear who will with the temptation. You see... After you've suffered for a while, He is faithful to take you through. Because when you come out the other side of that test, you're going to be stronger, not weaker, better, not battered, <laughs> better and not bitter, therefore. Amen. The, the wisdom that God wants to give through this teaching is that when trials come, we let God choose how and when He's going to bring us through. The ones He's going to take us from, the other ones He's going to take us through. The end result is we will be established, strengthened, and settled. It's amazing that Paul was going through a trial and he asked the Lord three times to take away this buffeting spirit, causing him trouble, getting in the way of his calling. And God told him, my strength, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, when I am weak, then am I made strong. He was strengthened when he felt like his strength was waning <laughs> because the strength he got was an understanding, appreciation, and application of God's grace in his life. And he had an exclusive faith in God when he came to an end of himself. You know what he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm really getting ahead of myself, but I want to set a foundation for this. Then we will try to bring all these scriptures to you, chapter and verse. But the Apostle Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble that we experienced in Asia, his letter to the church at Corinth, how we were pressed beyond measure and despaired of life itself that we might learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. Oh, a friend of mine, it is so important to learn this lesson. Faith in your faith. When you feel in your strength and your resolve that you can hold on and hold out no matter how hard the storm rages, Friend, I want you to know something. You and I have emotional and mental limits. And the only way we don't have spiritual limits, 
i.e. in effect i can do all things through christ which strengtheneth me literally is not talking about gifts and and miracles and wonders it's talking about enduring it should be rendered i can endure all things i am equal to all of these things through christ which strengtheneth me and understand his process of strengthening us involves coming to the end of ourself that we might have an exclusive trust in Him. And that will not occur until we go through something long enough to discover how weak and insufficient we truly are. Amen. Oh, friend of mine, faith in your faith, if your faith wavers, will leave you vulnerable to the enemy. But if your shield of faith is God's faithfulness. If you have faith in His faithfulness, your and my faith will not fail because His faithfulness is as a eternal as God Himself. It's part of God's very person. And that's why First Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls unto Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. You see, the basis for all our trust and the foundation for our faith, the reason for our hope and the source of our boldness is this quality of God's character in literally His faithfulness. And I know that the world can be so scary and frightening. And we hear so many things that can come upon us right into our hearts and grip us with fear and anxiety. But when we realize that He is faithful and He is our God, we ought to have no fear. Sidlow Baxter observes this, this scholar of Scripture. He says, and I quote, the faithfulness of God is like a gigantic archway spanning human history from its beginning to its ending. God's faithfulness, like an archway right from the beginning to the end of time. And he goes on to describe how that archway spans the pillars of God's attributes. You see, He isn't just faithful, He's loving. He's angry, He's holy, He's omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, He's omnipresent, He's everywhere. He has many attributes and parts of His being, but you can't separate one from another, just like you can't separate God Himself or you can't pull you apart. You have many parts, but you can't separate them. They're all interconnected. And in the same way, God's faithfulness, as Baxter says, is arching over all His attributes. You can't pull any of them apart or make them separate or single entities of themselves. And that's seen within His faithfulness. No one of God's attributes contradicts another of His attributes. In other words, God's love never contradicts God's justice. This is important. God is faithful to love you. God is faithful to love this world and all the sin that is in it enough to give His Son. But God is faithful 
to be a just God. He will be a judge. For it's after, after we leave this world, there is a judgment to come. God is faithful to execute justice. That's what some would teach today, that, he, that His love cancels out His justice. It does not. They say it doesn't really matter what you do. God will love you anyway and take you to heaven. That's called universalism. It's not biblical truth, and it's not the truth about God. God is faithful, amen, to deliver the righteous. God is faithful to judge the wicked, and God's faithfulness is in all of His attributes, behind all of it, an overarching attribute called faithfulness. But the justice of God and the love of God together mean that God's justice came down on Jesus so that we could be saved, so that God could forgive our sins and show His grace toward us. It's the same with God's faithfulness. It harmonizes with absolutely everything. And therefore, God is faithful to forgive. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Listen to it. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. You see, His, His love and His willingness to forgive does not cancel out his justice. He's faithful and just to forgive. Why is he justified in forgiving us? Is he sweeping it under, under the rug? Is he just not going to, to prosecute us? There, he would be an unjust God. He wouldn't be faithful to who he is as a holy God, obligated by his holiness to execute justice or judge us for our sin. The reason he's just is because Jesus was raised. He went to the cross to pay the sin debt and was raised for our justification. He's just because if we receive Christ as our Savior, He has punished your sin and He's punished my sin in Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sins, repent in our heart, turn from them and confess them, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone has said forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I want to say that again. Forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. On the cross, Jesus was crushed so that our sins might be forgiven, so that grace may flow to us. And if we confess our sins, God is faithful and He's just. That's how He can forgive our sin and remain the righteous judge. For He judged our sin in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, the scripture says we're to we're to preach the word today. Now you know that verse very well and it it speaks of the righteousness of God in faithfulness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. The Greek word is righteous. He's faithful and righteous to forgive our sin 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His faithfulness and His righteousness are linked together in forgiveness. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God is faithful in forgiving? You know, many times it's easier to get God's forgiveness if we truly repent than it is to forgive ourselves. But if God has forgiven you, you know, Paul said it, he argued that point. He said, what more shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Praise God. Amen. That's a drop the mic moment. That should settle every argument. You can be forgiven. I can be forgiven. You and I will be forgiven at the foot of the cross if we confess our sins and turn from them. God is faithful to forgive us. We, we may not be forgiven by everyone. We can ask their forgiveness, seek their forgiveness, and there are people that refuse to forgive. And I wouldn't want to be in their shoes on the judgment day, for the Scripture is very clear. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, the Heavenly Father will not forgive us. That's spiritual law. That's sowing and reaping. Oh, but blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That, too, is spiritual law. And you reap mercy when you show mercy, and when you forgive, you forgive for Jesus' sake, not because someone earns it, someone deserves it, but because God has forgiven us, the Scriptures declare we should, we ought, literally owe to, to God and to that person, we owe forgiveness to everyone who has hurt us and harmed us in any way. Amen. God is faithful, therefore, in forgiving. Because the Savior died and because the Lord Jesus was crucified and God laid on Him the iniquity of us all, a righteous and a holy God can now forgive you and now forgive me. And this is the point. Now, 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 we can forgive righteously. He can forgive righteously. In other words, He's not papering over the cracks. He's not turning a blind eye to our sin. But He is being a holy God. And He is completely and legally and righteously pardoning you and pardoning me. And because of that, He is faithful and just faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So listen, you can be sure that God, according to His righteousness, will forgive you and forgive me and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be sure He's faithful he stamped the seal of His faithfulness upon your soul if you're saved. If you're trusting in the blood of Calvary, if you put your faith in the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, the bleeding Lamb at Calvary, if you've done that, hallelujah, God will forgive you. And if you've already done that, God has forgiven you. And if God has forgiven you, then God is for you, friend. And if God be for you, who can be against you? 
You see, the enemy of your soul is relentless. He will never relinquish his desire to see you separated from God and to see you punished eternally. He wants you to be lost. He wants to comfort himself in hell by taking as many people there with him as he possibly can. But God wants you saved. And God wants you sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And God wants you to live with him forever in the city, the new Jerusalem that he has prepared. Praise God. God is faithful to forgive you so that you can enter through the gates of that city, drink of the river of life, and eat from the tree of life. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I'm glad God hasn't changed His mind about saving lost and dying, sinful, hard-hearted, proud, blaspheming people on this planet. Or else I couldn't be saved or you couldn't be saved. Maybe you were not all the above, but you were definitely some of the above. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep, the old covenant says, have went astray. But God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God is faithful to forgive today. I want to go forward, but I can't leave this right now. God is faithful to forgive you today. Amen. This is the greatest gift that God could ever offer you, that on the basis of the shed blood and suffering of Jesus, that God could forgive you. And that's the only reason you can be forgiven. There's no other way, for by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why the Apostle Paul said, If I could boast in anything, I will boast in this. I will boast, I will glory, literally, in the Greek, which means to boast, in the, in the cross of Jesus Christ, whereby I am crucified to this world, and this world is crucified to me. Praise God. I still love the old hymns that talk about the old rugged cross because it's the old rugged cross that made a difference for me and it can make a difference for you if you don't know Him today. If you're a Christian today, you need to live forgiven. Never let the enemy have your conscience sprinkled. Hallelujah from evil. Literally, all of that guilt of the past through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus. Let all of that guilt go. Hallelujah. Amen. And tell the accuser of the brethren that he can't point his old accusing finger at you anymore. If you have to, go to the book of Revelation chapter 12 and read it out loud. Read him the riot act. Hallelujah. Amen. Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused him, be, be, them before God day and night. I told you he's relentless, but so is God, and so is the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now is the accuser of the brethren cast down that accused them before God day and night, and they overcame him 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And then the devotion because of that. They love not their life, even unto the death. Oh, friend of mine, there is a love that triumphs over hate and all the meanness, all the hurt. And it's the love that God showed when He sent His Son. There's also a justice for a holy God cannot look over our sin. So He judged Jesus as our sacrifice lamb. He laid on Him our iniquity and chastened Him who knew no sin so that justice could be done and we could go free. That brings the devotion. That brings the commitment. If you really get that and know how much it cost for you to be forgiven, you just begin to love Him back. And today, if you don't know Jesus, don't run from Him anymore. Run to Him. Turn from your sin, run to Him and confess your sin. And God is faithful. And He is just. And He will forgive you. Put His arms around you. Hold you close. Take you all the way to heaven. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.